Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Good morning, Emmanuel Church. How are you feeling today? Some of you sound like you're still waking up. I totally, totally understand. If this is your first time and you're new here at any one of our campuses, Garfield Park, Banta, Franklin, Greenwood, or our online campus, we want to say welcome. Can we give it up for all of our first timers today? Thanks for accepting someone's invitation to be here today. And if you're not brand new, hey, can we say it together? Welcome back. That's getting pretty good. We're kind of creating a little thing there. Should we keep it up? No? Yeah? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, if you're new here, my name is Danny, and uh, we're in a series right now called Walk by Faith. I thought it'd be great to start out uh, with a series in 2021 on developing our faith and making our faith stronger. Given 2020 and how difficult a year that was, and so far 2021 is not looking a whole lot better. Um, I feel like we could all use some encouragement on building our faith. Yes, is that a pretty good idea? And so that's what we're trying to do this year is just kind of, you know, just give you some infusion, some instruction on how to build your faith uh, so that you can walk through this life a little bit better. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we believers, people of faith, are supposed to walk by faith. This word walk means to live, to have a lifestyle of faith, to walk by faith and not by sight. In other words, faith is supposed to be the distinguishing factor in our life. Our lives are supposed to be faith-filled lives. Faith is supposed to be the approach that we take. It's supposed to be the, the strategy that we have to get through this life. Unfortunately, there's a lot of misconceptions about faith. We talked about a few of these last week. Let me just review really quick. Some people think that faith is going to church. I have faith. I go to church. Some people think that faith is knowing a lot about the Bible. Oh, I know I have the right beliefs. I've studied the Bible. I've read the Bible. And so I am a person of faith. Some people believe if they, if they put a little Jesus fish on the back of their car that they have faith. Or if you put the Emmanuel sticker on the back of your car. I have one of those. That you have faith. Some people believe if they post Bible verses on their Facebook or Twitter accounts first thing in the morning that they have faith. Now, I'm not saying that if you post Bible verses or if you have the Emmanuel sticker on the back of your car or the Jesus fish or if you come to church or if you know a lot about the Bible, you don't have faith. I'm just saying that those things don't necessarily mean that you have a deep faith. What is faith? Faith, last week, if you were here, we said it's confidence. The basic definition of faith is confidence. If we take it a little bit further and we ask what is biblical faith, biblical faith is confidence in the unseen reality of God's kingdom on earth or God's activity on earth. Jesus' message was very simple. He said, repent. 
For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You can now live with God. You can live and have God with you every single day, single day of your life. The message of Jesus wasn't simply to put your faith in him so that you can go to heaven when you die. It was, you can live with me now. You can sense my presence with you now. You can have confidence in the unseen reality of God now. God has come to earth. That was the message of Jesus. Faith is confidence in the unseen reality of God here and now. And we said if that's what faith is, that ought to have major implications on our life. First of all, last week we talked about this, the first idea, that if you have this full confidence in the unseen reality of God's kingdom, your troubles will not overwhelm you. And I'm not going to get into all of that, but you can look at that message last week on YouTube if, you, if your troubles are overwhelming you. Great, the greatest way to measure or the easiest way to measure the quality of your faith is to look at how you respond to your troubles. Remember I said if you're constantly freaking out, your faith needs some work. I, I asked you to grade yourself on a scale of one to ten. If, if, if one is, man, I freak out once or twice a day, and, and ten is, man, when, when the storms are raging, I go take a nap, where do you fall? <laughs> you know, did you give yourself a, a grade? I hope that you did, because you can't get to where you need to go unless you know where you are. So I hope you gave yourself a two if you're a two or a four if you're a four or six, whatever you are. Here's the idea in this series. We want to just move you. We want to nudge you. We want to take your faith from a two to a four or a four to a six or a, a six to an eight or heck, even from eight to a ten. That's the goal of this series. So that was last week. Your troubles will not overwhelm you. Did you enjoy that last week if you were here? Was that helpful? Okay. Sometimes you just need to know as a preacher, is anything you're saying making a difference out there? Okay, we're, we're encouraged today, okay? So, second idea. What is the, if faith is confidence in the unseen reality of God, what should that do to our lives? Well, here's what it does in your notes. Number two, you focus on the right things. When you have faith, the right type of faith, you focus on the right things. We've been looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is the Apostle Paul writing. The context of these letters, in part, is persecution. Paul is facing all kinds of difficulties. I talked about that last week. And this is what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. Listen to these powerful words. So we fix our eyes not on what is, say it with me, seen. Our lives are not focused on the physical, but rather on the what? Say it with me, the unseen. The unseen reality of God's kingdom on earth. Why would we focus on the unseen rather than the seen. He says, because what is seen is, say it with me, temporary. It's short-lived. It doesn't last forever. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. Don't, don't focus your whole life on things that are temporary. But what is unseen lasts forever, or he says they are eternal. So a person of faith is focused on the right things, the unseen things of this world. Now, our problem is, is that we focus on the scene. Our lives are centered around all of the visible things that our eyes can see and our ears can hear and that our mouths can taste and our nose can smell. Am I right or am I wrong? We tend to focus on things like, how do we look? How's my hair? How's my body? How's my skin? You know, how's my shape? We tend to focus on what we have, our shoes and our clothes and our cars and our houses and, and our whole lives become consumed with, consumed with the scene, all the things that we can see with our eyes, the things that our society says are important, our clothes and our cars and the stuff that we have. 
In addition to that, it's what other people look like. Her hair and her shape and her nails and her purse. Can you believe she has that kind of purse? And his muscles and his car and his house. And, 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 and we're so, not just on our stuff and how we look, but we're focused on other people, how other people look and other people's stuff. Can you, can you believe they get to go on vacation like that? <laughs> and what fuels all of this is this thing called Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok. And it just, it's people get on there and they just, just scroll and they look and all of the other things that people are doing, how exciting their lives are. <laughs> and we look and we look and we look and our whole lives are consumed with what we can see. And politics falls into this category. And right now there's a you know, political tension in our country and has been for over a year and much longer than that. And, 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 and it's just these are the things that are seen. So politics becomes, it consumes our life. It becomes the focus of our life. And why? Because it's part of the category of the scene. And what Paul says is that when you focus your life on the scene, there are destructive consequences. Did you know that, did you know that in 2018, uh, folks spent $16 billion on plastic surgery? What? You know, tummy tucks and other things. <laughs> I didn't say million dollars, folks. I said billion dollars on plastic surgery. We, are, we, we have become a people who, is, who are utterly focused on what we can see, on our lives revolve around it. And Paul says this about, about that. He says the consequences of, of walking by sight are destructive. They're destructive. And you think about it. It's not hard to, it's not hard to see it. When, when someone's life is focused on the scene, you know, there's, there's things like anger. A lot of us are filled with anger right now because of politics and how it's all playing out and because politics have become the focus of our life anger is the, has become the dominant emotion in our, in our life when you're focused on the scene what what you look like you're not happy and so you you're discouraged you're down you're depressed you don't like the way you look and so you have feelings of depression discouragement and then when you focus on how, other, how beautiful other people are or how beautiful other families are or how be smart other people's kids are, now you become jealous, envious. These are toxic emotions. These are, these are destructive emotions. Why? Because our whole life is focused on what we have or don't have or what they have or what they don't have. It leads to feelings of, of inferiority. It leads to false feelings of superiority. Because we have more or we look better than somebody else. Paul talks about these folks in Philippians chapter 3. Listen to what these powerful words. He says, these folks are headed for destruction. That's a very powerful word. Here in this life and then also in the next. Their God is their appetite. Small g, not big g. What does that mean, their God is their appetite? It just means their whole life is focused around their desires in this life. Their appetites, what they want to eat, what they want to consume, their stomach, their sex drive. They brag about shameful things, and watch this. They think only about this life here on earth. They're only focused on the seen things, and so their lives are destructive. Their lives are filled with destructive emotions. There was, this, there was a study that came out recently in 2017 of 500,000 eighth graders to 12th graders. 
And this one particular study showed that from 2010 to 2015, there was an increase of depression of 33%. During that same window of time, 2010 to 2015, the suicide rate for teenage girls went up 65%. You know what came out in 2007? This thing. Smartphone. Did you know that by 2015, 92% of middle school students and high school students have one of these? And not just these, but Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, and all these other things like TikTok. Comparing, comparing, looking, comparing, comparing, looking. I suck. I'm terrible. I'm not beautiful. I'm not pretty. I'm not. Do you see a correlation? Or am I crazy? There's a mounting. There, there, there's a mountain of evidence starting to accumulate of the effects of social media on teenagers and, and adults. No wonder Paul says, man, we've got to walk by faith and not by sight. Because the, the, the consequences of living a life focused on what is seen, and I'm not even necessarily talking about sinful things, is destructive. We've got to focus on the unseen. Well, what are the unseen things? Well, that's a great question. I'm so glad that you asked. Let's talk about it. Number one, the unseen, the, the greatest tr- unseen treasure is God himself. So your life, if you're walking by faith, is focused on God. God is the ultimate unseen treasure. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 142, verse 5. Listen to these powerful words. Then I pray to you, O Lord, watch this, you are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. I love the psalms because it re- they reveal... A passion for God. Have you ever felt that way, God? You know what? There's a lot of things out there in life to want and to, and to desire, but you're all, really, you're all I really want. You're all I really need. This is Psalm 23. If you've ever memorized Psalm 23, oftentimes it's quoted at funerals. The, the first verse says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What does that mean? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Translation, I have everything I need. I'm good. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He's talking about a sheep. Why would a sheep lie down in green pastures? Sheep don't lie down in green pastures unless they are full and satisfied and they're no longer hungry. In other words, David is writing, he says, Lord, my whole soul is satisfied. I, I shall not want. I'm good. I will lie down. I am completely, utterly satisfied because I have you. You are all I really want in this life. This is the Apostle Paul, right? The Apostle Paul, and I talk about him a lot because he's one of the major characters in the Bible. He wrote 14 letters of the New Testament. Before he became a Christian, he was sort of a, one of the top dogs in Judaism. He was at the top of his class. He had all the accolades. He was number one, and you know, the, you know, he, he talks about it. You know, he's, he's, he was just the man when it comes to Judaism and the Jewish faith. Well, then he converts to Christ. He has this massive conversion, and he becomes this amazing Christ follower. He writes all these letters in the Bible. One of them... Is Philippians. I just quoted verse 19 earlier when he talks about, you know, the consequences of, of, of being a person focused on this life. But in verse 8 of the same chapter, listen to what Paul says about himself. He says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Now, what he's talking about here is everything that he's accomplished with his life, everything that he was able to obtain in Judaism, and he was at the top of his game. He was like the number, he, was, he would be the valedictorian in his high school. 
He says, everything to me was worthless compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ. For his sake, I have discarded everything else. And watch this. Listen to these words. Counting it as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Now, the, the translators of the New Living Translation were kind with this word garbage. But this word garbage actually is translated, or the original word is excrement. I know, it's gross. It really should say counting it all as poop. It's poop in the, that's what the word means. It means excrement. The translators of the New Living Translation said, oh, that's kind of graphic. Let's use the word trash. Let's use the word garbage. Same thing. Worthless. He says, everything I've ever achieved before I compared to knowing Christ is like trash. It'd be like me and you saying, you know what? I, I, I love God so much that everything I was able to obtain in this life, whether it be degrees or certifications, is trash. You know, ooh, this is, this is something people love. This is probably my most expensive prop today. But everyone loves money, and I've been able to accumulate all this money. You know what? Trash. I've got all these shoes. I love shoes. You love shoes? I love shoes. Trash, right? It's like saying the jewelry in my life and the watches, you know, this, this really isn't real, but man, that looks real. It, let's pretend it's real, right? It's all just trash and, and the watches and the Rolexes. It's like saying my house and, and my, oh, I broke the house. It, you know, my sports and, and, and all that stuff and, and what I've been able to do and, and, and my clothing and, and my achievements in, in, in sports. It's just all trash. The cars and the phones and all of the stuff and Boy, it'd be nice to have a Ferrari. <laughs> he says, it's like trash to me. Now, I'm not suggesting today as your pastor that you need to go home and throw all your stuff in the trash. Please don't hear me say that. I'm not. Paul is saying, but when you compare the stuff that we all value, that, that we focus on because it's seen. It's all the seen stuff you can grab a hold of and accumulate. When you compare it to Jesus, Paul says it's like, it's like excrement. It's like poop. It's worthless. I can do without it. I can leave it behind. Man, that's what a person of faith looks like. That's how they live their life. Years ago, when I first put my faith in Christ, when I was actually 19 years old, I put my faith in Christ when I was 17. At 19, my mother gave me this book called The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. He was a pastor back in the 1950s. She dated it 1225-97. Dear Danny, hold everything you read in your heart. Love, Mom. Mom, I have, especially this book, so I appreciate it. This is the quote I want to read to you today from Tozer. <clears throat> now, he's writing back in the 50s, so he uses the word man. He, today, we would say person, so give him an allowance there. He says, the man who has God, this shaped me right out of the gate at 19 years old. The man who has God, the person who has God, has for his treasure all things in one, capital O. Many ordinary treasures may be denied him, or if he's allowed to have them, the enjoyment of them will be so tempered that they will never be necessary to his happiness. I'm reading this at 19 years old, right? Wow. Or if he must see them go one after one, he will scarcely feel a sense of loss for having the source, capital S, of all things he has in one, capital O, all satisfaction, all pleasure, all delight. Whatever he may lose, he has actually lost nothing. Why? For he, has now, he now has it all in one, capital O, and he has it purely, legitimately, and forever. It's like, wow, God, you're all I need. You're the treasure. If I have you, I have no need for anything else. 
if you grant me anything else, a wife. And I remember I read that at 19. A wife, children, a home, a career. It's all gravy. You are the cake. You are the foundation. And I've tried to maintain that my whole life. And I'm 43 right now. There have been ups and downs. But that's what it looks like to be a person of faith. Like, God, you're my shepherd. I shall not want. That's what a person of faith looks like. Number two, you focus on the eternal impact of your life. A person of faith is focused on the right things. They, they have the long game in mind. They understand that there's this life, the only, really, the only real purpose of this life is to make an eternal difference. Jesus taught it like this. He couldn't have been more clear. Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moth and and rust, moths and rust destroy them, and thieves can break in and steal your stuff. What treasures is Jesus talking about here? He's talking about this stuff, cars and homes and, you know, all these different things that, you know, that break and fall apart and can even be stolen. Don't, don't accumulate. Don't make that the focus of your life. Again, if you have some of that stuff, it's not a sin. It's not a sin. He's just saying don't make it the focus of your life. Don't store up treasures for yourself here on heaven. Instead, I want you to store up treasures in where? Say it with me. In heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and there are no thieves who can break in and steal your stuff. Now, what kind of treasure would that be? Certainly not, you know, sports achievements and cars and houses and PhDs and, you know, all the, certainly not that stuff, right? Well, what would it be? It would be, it would be the unseen things. It would be taking your life and investing it in unseen things. Well, here's the, th- here's the question. What is unseen other than God? Have you ever thought about it? It's people. It's human beings. Maybe dogs. Certainly not cats, but I'm joking. I think they'll be in heaven, I think. You say, well, people are seen, are they? Are people seen? When you're looking at me right now, are you looking at me? I was at a funeral yesterday on Friday. Sorry, I was at a funeral. Larry Andre, beautiful man of God, served here at this church for many, many, many years. Beautiful wife, Sue died of COVID last week. At the funeral, I was looking at his body. I was looking at Larry. Was I looking at Larry? No, Larry wasn't there. Larry's soul, that unseen part of who Larry is, was gone. It was in heaven. In your notes, I wrote it like this. Only people live forever. People of faith People who are walking by faith are investing their life in people because people last forever. It's an eternal investment. See, when you invest your life in people, it pays dividends in eternity. Don't store up treasures on earth. Store up treasures in heaven. Invest your life in people. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Paul says, We walk by faith and not by sight. Three verses later, listen to what Paul says in verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one of us may receive what is due for what we've done in this life, in our body, whether it's good or bad. Like our behavior now, our actions now, what we do, what we say, how we treat people will have an impact on the next life. People of faith understand this and they get busy. 
They get busy making an investment with their life. I've got friends right now who are in Haiti right now as we speak. They called me yesterday. I'm like, I wish I was there because it's 91 degrees. But that was, that was very shallow of me. See, they're not there because it's 91 degrees and it's sunny outside. They're there because they're trying to help people who are hungry. Orphans. Children who need an education. Folks who need a church. I've got, we've got friends right now at Emmanuel in Haiti as we speak, investing their life in people. That's what it looks like to be a person of faith. Because people live forever. Number three, what else? What else? People of faith are focused on God. They're focused on making an eternal impact with their life. And they're focused on their own soul. Their own soul. Now, I'm not talking about yourself, like, how do I look? And, you know, my career. And, yeah, I'm worried. You know, my, I, I, I'm single and I want to get married. I'm not talking about focusing on yourself. I'm talking about focusing on the condition of your soul. That intangible part of who you are. It has a condition. It is either fearful or at peace. It is either lustful or full of purity. It is either full of fear or full of courage. You, your soul has a condition, and that condition is up to you. Dallas Willard, my favorite author, well, maybe C.S. Lewis, but he's up there for sure. Dallas said it like this. The main thing God gets out of your life is not your accomplishments, not your plaques and your PhDs and your awards and all the things that you've done. No, no, no. It's not the accomplishments that God gets out of your life. It's the person you become. God's primary concern is the kind of soul that you've become. And that's what we're to be working on because that is unseen and it is eternal. It is not temporary. Listen, there are some people believe, there are some people in this world who believe that when you die, you go in the grave and then you're done. You're over. There is no soul. There is no afterlife. No, we don't believe that. We believe there is an afterlife and your soul departs from the body and it's going to live somewhere forever. In a condition. What condition is it going to be in? That's up to you. That's up to you. You know it takes a lot of work to have a good soul? It really does. It takes a lot of work to do anything really good. Have you noticed that? I mean, come on, let's talk about it. It takes a lot of work to lose 20 pounds. You agree with me? I mean, man, I wish there was a pill or something like that we could give to folks and it's just, you know, lose that weight or whatever. It takes a lot of work to get your finances in order, especially when your finances are out of whack. You ever do the seven steps of Dave Ramsey? Man, it was tough to do that, those seven steps. Initially, initially, because our finances were out of whack. It took a lot of work. We were selling stuff. We were cutting credit cards up. We were getting out of debt like no one's business. We almost sold the children. I mean, it was like we were this close. That was Dave's joke. I can't give, take credit for that. But it takes a lot of work. I like to work out. I like to go to the gym. And, and there, you know, there are guys like there and me, girls like there and me. You know, we're, we're pretty consistent, but we're not professionals. There are some folks in that gym, man, alive. They, they go at it. They're in there for two hours, you know, and they're, they're doing shows. And they're like 5% body fat. And, you know, they... they they're just, they're just working harder than other people, and they've got their diet down to how many grams of protein and you know, carbohydrates and fat and all this stuff. And, they, and you always know who they are because they carry like a gallon of something in their, they got like this gallon of something. We don't really know what it is. It's, sometimes it's pink, sometimes it's blue. It's like, like human growth hormone or something they carry around. And you know, I'm too afraid to ask, like, hey, what are you drinking? You know, I might get my head knocked off or something. Why are you asking me? I don't know. I'm joking. I'm joking. But man, these people are focused. 
You know, and that's why they look the way they do. And that's why I look the way I do. It takes a lot of work to do anything really well. Do you agree with this? Let me ask you a question. Why would it be any different in the spiritual life? Why would it be any different for you to become a patient person? I really want to be patient. I need more patience. Here's what Christians say. I'm praying for patience. Really? Really? You're praying for patience? Is that how it works? Is God going to zap patience into you? Really? Is, is God a zapper? Is that what, is that what he does? He zaps things, he zaps character traits into you. This year I'm praying for patience. That's my word. My word for the year. Praying for courage, really? You're praying for courage? How about you take courageous action? <laughs> How about you practice at being courageous, right? Like, like, developing your soul works the same way as developing your body. It takes a lot of focused effort. God is not into zapping people, Okay? Now, sometimes, miraculously, he will take somebody's uh, desires for heroin or meth away. Like, I've heard stories like that. But, man, that's the outlier. That's the exception to the rule. Like, if you have a problem with pornography or lust, and you're saying, I'm just praying for God to take it away. Stop praying. No, no, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Keep praying. But you got to get in there and figure out how to defeat lust. And get pornography out of your life. God is not going to do for you what he wants you to do for yourself. Is this making sense? Amen? Nobody? Listen to what Peter said. Listen to what Peter said. 2 Peter chapter 1, 5-7. through 7, Powerful passage. I like it from the, new, uh, the NIV. He says, for this reason, make, watch this, every effort, complete focused effort, to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control I want you to add perseverance, and perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly affection, and to mutual brotherly affection I want you to add this thing called love. It's like you read that passage, you go, oh my gosh, the spiritual life sounds like a lot of work. Yes, it is. Much like anything else, takes a lot of work. If you want to have a great golf game, it takes a lot of work. If you want to play the violin well, it's going to take a lot of work. If you want to have a great forehand in tennis or ping pong, a lot of work. We, we are thinking that we're going to come to a church service or go to some type of worship service or pray some prayer, and God is going to zap us, and we are suddenly going to be like Jesus. Not going to happen. Listen to how Paul said it. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He's not talking about salvation like going to heaven when you die. He's talking about salvation in this manner, deliverance. Deliverance from anger. Deliverance from pride. Deliverance from lust. Deliverance from fear. Deliverance from anxiety. Deliverance from depression. You got to get in there and do the work. See, a lot of Christians believe that that God is opposed to effort. That everything is supposed to be free. I'm going to clarify something for you today. It comes from Dallas Wode. He said it like this. Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. We don't earn God's favor. We have that. Grace is free. Grace is God's unmerited favor. He accepts you as you are. You don't have to earn his favor. We're not talking about earning God's favor. We're talking about becoming better souls. Making sense? And that requires, as Peter said, effort. As Paul said, work. You've got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So people of faith, they focus on the condition of their soul. 
They focus on the eternal impact of their life. Their life is consumed with God. God is on their mind in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. They're thinking about God. They're praying about God. He's the ultimate unseen treasure. And in the same way that there are consequences to walking through this life by sight, which are destructive, there are results for people who walk by faith and not by sight. What are some of those results? Let me talk about it really quick and then we'll wrap this up. Number one, peace, joy, and security. David wrote it like this in Psalm 16. He said, verse eight and nine, I've set the Lord always before me. In other words, I've got God right before me. I put him right there. God, you're the center of my life. You're the focus of my attention. I've set the Lord always before me. Because he's at my right hand, meaning right, right next to me, Watch this. The result is I will not be shaken. I will not be frazzled. I will not give in to fear. I will not give in to anxiety. I will not freak out. This is last week a little bit, right? I've set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, watch this. My heart is, what does it say? Glad. And my whole being rejoices in my body or my flesh dwells in security. Like I feel safe. I feel happy. I'm, I'm worshiping. This is the result of having God as your focus. I'm not making this up. This is how it affects your life today. You want to walk by faith and not by sight. You can count on high levels of joy, high levels of peace, high levels of, of happiness, and high levels of feelings of security. There's also a ton of meaning when you understand that that. This life affects the next life, and how you go through this life is going to determine the condition of your next life. Every single thing that you say and do with other people has and, and will make a difference in the next life. So everything has meaning. Every conversation, every time you help someone, this is why people of faith have a, have a way about them that can only be described as generosity. They're giving, 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 loving, 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 serving, 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 because they know that, that, that this life is an investment in the next there's meaning to your life. And then, and then on the back end, you just become a really good person. You just, you're just really good. You, you, the selfishness fades. The insecurity fades. You know, the, 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 the shallowness fades. The ugliness goes away. The, the hatred falls away. The jealousy flees. Envy gone. Lust fades. Why? Because you're working on your soul. You're working on your soul. You're putting in the work to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You find the life that God had made, has made for you on this earth. It's beautiful. That's why Paul says, come on, we walk by faith and not by sight. So my question I want to leave with you today, with, with you today is where's your focus? Is it on the scene? Is it, is it on, oh, I can't wait for my team to play and, oh, the, the, the sale is, you know, and, oh, man, I can't wait for my lease to be up. I'll get a new car. Like, where's your focus? Where's your focus? Is it on the scene or is it on the unseen? You can actually grade yourself on a scale of one to ten. If your whole mind and heart is focused on stuff and what can be seen and what other people have, grade yourself. Give yourself a one or a two. And over here, a nine or a 10, it's like, I don't care what I look like. You know, I'm, I'm going vanilla. I'm going to wear my sweats all day, you know. <laughs> and I don't care what other people have. And all I have is God, and, and he's my shepherd. Give yourself a grade on a scale of one to 10. Where are you at? Let's move that needle in this series. Where's your focus? Is it on the scene? 
This is it on the unseen. What we've done is put together a 21-day digital devotional for you. If you want to jump on board, we're only seven days in. You can text the word FAITH to 65248. Why did we put that digital devotional together for you? Just to be a catalyst, just to get you thinking about faith, just to get you thinking about God, just to get you thinking about the unseen reality of God's kingdom. Our pastors have written that for you. It's totally free. Text the word FAITH to 65248. It'll come right to your computer or your phone. Also, you'll get some information on there about faith. Fasting. Fasting is simply denying yourself food or social media or sugar or something else like that, alcohol or whatever, for a certain amount of time for a spiritual purpose. So fasting ends up dialing us into the unseen world. It loosens the grip of the seen things, the appetites, our appetites in this life and gets us focused on God and the kingdom of God. So you'll learn more about fasting if you text the word uh, to, uh, faith to 65248. Now as we wrap up today, I know there's some people watching. We have a, a, a large audience online all across our campuses. I know there's as a, at least a few of us today that we've not even stepped into the kingdom yet. We've not even started the journey. How do you, how do you start a journey of faith? It's, it's interesting. It takes faith. <laughs> Here's what Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. For you are all children of God through, watch this, faith in Christ Jesus. He doesn't say you're children of God by attending a local church or obeying the Ten Commandments or giving money to the church or being a good person. He doesn't say any of those things. He says, you know how you start the journey of faith? You place your confidence in Jesus. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. He paid the penalty for your sin. He removed the wall, the barrier between you and God. And he did it because he loved you. He actually became sin on your behalf. When he died on that cross, the wrath of God was placed upon Jesus. Sin had to be punished. God wasn't just gonna look the other way and sweep it under the carpet and say, oh, no problem. All this sin, I'll just forgive everybody. No, nope. he punished Jesus so that he wouldn't have to punish you. And so on the cross, Jesus takes the penalty of your sin and my sin. He takes the hit for us. He jumps in front of the car for us and saves our lives. Have you trusted him? Have you asked him to forgive you? Have you put your confidence in him? Maybe right now is your moment. I'm gonna say a simple prayer. It's a prayer of faith. Take these words and make them your own if you've never prayed before and just reach out to Jesus. Ask him to forgive your sins. Ask him to make you his, his child as you place your faith and faith is confidence in him. Pray this prayer with me if you will. Jesus, I trust you today. I believe you died in my place. Took the penalty of my sin. So that I could be forgiven. So that I could be your child. I place my confidence in you today. I believe in you. I trust you. Wash away my sin. Be my savior today. And from this day forward, Teach me to walk by faith and not by sight. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Can we give God glory, guys? Come on, nice and loud, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, we would love to put a, what we call a starter kit here into your hands. It's, we, we say it's our save box. 
Uh, inside this box, there is a New Testament. There's some instructions on how to get connected to the church, baptism, and there's also a free coffee mug in here for you. If you prayed to trust Christ today, just text the word SAVE to 65248 and we will get one of these to you in the mail. One more time, church, can we give God glory, amen?